Why, hello, everyone. My name is Seth Weiner, and I am your Rockshineer. Uh Greetings from sunny, sunny South Florida. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not in my normal place here. This is actually, well, that's not my normal place, but um, this is my parents' house that I'm uh, recording from. I'm in sunny South Florida on spring break with my nine-year-old son. So taking a break from the beach, and it's really nice outside, so I'm going to the pool right after this, guaranteed. Um, well, also, my son's swimming right now, so I kind of have to get to the pool, right? He's not alone. He's with Grandpa. Don't worry. I saw people just rushing, rushing to their phones. No, no, no. Don't worry, folks. He's, he's good. Uh, well, it's gorgeous here. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying your spring wherever you are and that this is reaching you well. Um, we are taking off on Thursday. We're rescheduling our Trinity Stables um, coffee connections due to the fact that I'm driving back. And this is a public service announcement. Folks, if you don't know this already, and I do know this, I know this, but I'm sharing this with you because you need to know. Don't ever fly Spirit because the Spirit Airlines, they just don't take off. On April Fool's Day, we get to the airport. Our gates are canceled. I mean, are, are uh, changed and changed and changed. We finally get to the final gate after four hours of delays and it cancels. I mean, that's an April Fool's joke, right? Mm. But at any rate, we drove down to Florida, sw- uh, kayaked with the manatees, and here we are in South Florida now. But this is not why you're here. You're here today to learn about our guest, Amber Harris, the Development Director for the Women's Resource Center to End Domestic Violence. Now, she's been, uh, she began advocating for women's issues through uh, a part-time job at Project Safe. But in 2006, she joined the WR. See where uh, her main responsibilities are funding and marketing and also keeping things very organized. Uh, their mission is to create a society in which domestic violence no longer exists. They strive to meet the, indivi- uh, the immediate and long-term needs of the diverse community of battered women and their children with programs that promote safety, compassion, connection, advocacy, and prevention. So uh, let me go ahead without further ado, bring our guest into the show uh there we go hi amber hi seth thank you so much for having me yeah it's a pleasure uh how's your day going all right it's good you are lucky to have escaped atlanta it is rain 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 for our spring break um but i like the rain i'm i like the cozy inside feeling when it's raining outside so i'm doing well well and then let's let's be real right i mean the rain is cleaning the pollen we needed that for which I am very grateful. <laughs> I have a brand new white car and driving down through the rain, it was like, ah, get the pollen gone. 
Um, well, welcome to Coffee Connections. Before we get into things, let's talk coffee. Are you a coffee drinker? I am very much a coffee drinker. Yeah? What kind of coffee? What's your roast of choice? I'm a dark roast, black, no sugar, no cream. Sometimes if we get a little later in the day, I'm adding some cream, but I'm a darker and purer, the better. Um, if the coffee is roughly the consistency of tar, then I'm a happy camper. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, what are some of your favorite coffees? Do you have a blood? Do you like, uh, do you like the, um, say, uh, Jamaican um, Blue Mountain coffee? I mean, are you more of a, the small, uh, the small bean that it's packs a punch or, or what do you think? I'm a fan of Colombian coffees, um, okay. although I would never say no to a Jamaican Blue Mountain. <laughs> yes. I, I, when, you know, when I discovered Jamaican Blue Mountain, that's when I discovered the real taste and flavor for coffee. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Uh, DeKalb Farmer's Market, are you a fan of their coffee? Yes, very much so. Yeah. There's something about their... You said the Colombian roast. That's the... I could just smell the walking through the... Uh, coffee aisle there <laughs> well and the best part of that experience is having them grind the coffee and just the smell of the beans grinding absolutely then you know exactly what you're gonna get oh yeah yeah you can taste it in the air um do you have a coffee mug by chance i do oh let's take a look at this all right is that uh now i look at that and i see a phone cord I could definitely see that. You know, there's a very long story behind this coffee mug, and it is called uh, My Aunt Got Me a Gift Certificate to Bed, Bath & Beyond, and you have to spend the gift certificate all in one go, and I had about $3 left, so I bought a coffee mug, and that is the <laughs> profound and interesting story behind this coffee mug. Oh, you that's fantastic. You coffee mugs. Uh, no, no, you can't, although, I mean, being back here at my folks, I could tell you, like, Yep, that was Hanukkah. I think that was 1987, this mug right here. you know, <laughs> The things you find. The things you find. All right, hey, speaking of finding, I want to find out, and everyone wants to find out more about your organization. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Tell everyone about the Women's Resource Center, please. Great. So the Women's Resource Center to End Domestic Violence is based right here in Atlanta, and we serve survivors of domestic violence and their children all across their journey towards safety and stability. So we have a 24-hour hotline. So you can call anytime, day or night, if you need resources, um, information, advice, if you want a safety plan, or if you're looking for a safe place to go. Uh, and then again, we have programming from that very first moment you make contact with us to say, maybe the relationship that I'm in doesn't feel as healthy as it could be. Maybe there's something that I'm not quite sure about. Is this normal in a romantic relationship or not? All the way from that point through women who have come through our programs, come out on the other side and continue to be connected with our organization because they want to continue to have a tie with um, the beautiful community that the women that we serve create for themselves. Um, so we really kind of run the gamut for families between stay, being with an abusive partner, having left recently, um, sort of being in those early stages of setting up something new to women who are really established in a new life and are doing great and are coming back to share with other women. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm writing some notes here and a little slow on the uh, switch. Um, well, that's that's fantastic work you all do. How, and how, how, how long has it been going on? Uh, did I miss that? When did you guys start? So we were founded in 1986. Um, and it's actually a really interesting story that ties into some of the fundraising that we're doing now. Um, we did not know this until a few years ago. 
um, we had no idea of this connection. But in 1985, there was a very public domestic violence homicide in DeKalb County. It was a woman named Gwendolyn Ann Turnbow. And she was you know, what people called the quote unquote perfect victim. She left. She prosecuted her abuser. She got a new place. She was working with the district attorney's office. She was working with the police. Um, but unfortunately, her, her estranged husband um, was released from jail and came and killed her. And that was right on Memorial Drive in, in Decatur, um, DeKalb County. And so we did not know for the longest time of the connection that Gwendolyn Ann Turnbow had to a woman called Natasha Trethaway. But it was in it was right after Gwendolyn's murder that commissioners in DeKalb County decided we need to do something about domestic violence in our county. There wasn't a domestic violence service organization. There was there you know were no services for domestic violence survivors in DeKalb County. So in 1986, the county provided a $10,000 grant to say, okay, we want we're going to hire a part time advocate. We're going to have a hotline. We're going to have some support groups. And then very soon after, we started our first safe house. So we always knew that Gwendolyn had a son that was present when she was killed. We had no idea that she also had a daughter who was away um, at college at the time at UGA. And her daughter was Natasha Trethaway, who was her daughter from her first marriage. And Natasha has grown up to be a Pulitzer Prize winner, a two-term U.S. Poet Laureate. Um, and she writes a lot about her mother's life and her experience of grief after losing her mother. And so we made this connection with Natasha, you know, 20 years after her mother's death, and she has become a supporter of our agency. So in 2020, she released a book called Memorial Drive, and it's her own memoir. It grapples a lot with her experiences growing up as a biracial child in the 60s South, and also her experiences living with her mother and an abusive stepfather who eventually took her mother's life. And then, you know, how she has continued to try to honor her mother through her work and continue to allow her mother's memory to live on. So Natasha is actually joining us for our upcoming fundraiser on May 5th. Uh, so it's kind of a full circle moment for our agency, really. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's amazing the stories behind things. But that uh, that. Yeah, that's um and I used to, I lived right over there on Memorial Drive. So I know when you say that, I'm like, Soma, I know exactly where you're talking about. When, when, when you talk about abusive uh, behavior and whatnot, can you, can you maybe describe a little bit um, how you would define abusive in a relationship? Yeah. So for our agency, what we're looking at when we talk about abuse is a pattern of behavior that one person in the relationship is using to exert power and control over another person in that relationship. So the obvious thing that people think about is physical abuse, but it can also be emotional abuse. It can be um, leveraging things like immigration status or um, if you're in a same sex relationship and you're not out to family or friends or your job. Um, if you're an immigrant and um, ending that relationship may complicate your ability to immigrate legally to this country. It could be. Um, financial abuse, where the other person doesn't allow you to have access to the funds you need to buy groceries or things for your children. So really anything that's happening in a relationship where one partner is using whatever tactic that might be, physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, other um, unhealthy relationship dynamics, to exert their power and control over the other person. 
And so we all kind of know those couples that fight and they just probably shouldn't be together because it's not healthy. And that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about domestic violence. We're talking about a pattern of behavior that usually escalates over time. And with that pattern, there's two sides to every story, right? And and, and a lot of times uh, the abuser, uh, not I mean a lot of times, I wonder how often the abuser doesn't even realize they're being abusive and how uh, an organization like yourself can help a couple, uh, help a, someone that is being abused um, change, break the cycle um, because maybe they are a loving relationship. Maybe they're caring people. Maybe they're not supposed to be together, whatever it might be. Uh, but I'm curious how, how that approach is approached. Well, I think we do have a common misconception that people who are abusive might not know they're being abusive. But what mm -hmm. we know as an agency is that abuse is a choice. And we see folks who are not flying off the handle at their pastor at church. They're not using that abusive language at their job toward their boss. You know, they're not using those same actions of control over their friends. So they're really choosing to use that power and control in the places where they think they can get away with it, which is usually romantic relationships with someone that they feel like they have more power over, which in our society is often women and children. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that when you're talking about doing any kind of prevention work with people who have abusive tendencies or use abusive actions, the number one thing is to, to help them recognize that yes, these, these things that you're doing are abusive and they have a negative impact on the people that you purport to love. They have a negative impact on your spouse, on your partner, on your children. And you have to make an active choice not to do these things anymore because the real, the real issue that we have in prevention when working with people who use abusive behaviors is that stopping those behaviors has to be a choice. There's nothing the victim can do to inspire him. You know, it's not if he loved me enough, he would stop. It's not, you know, I can change him. It's not even in many cases, it's not if he gets arrested, he'll change. It's if he chooses to change, then he will change. And there are absolutely people who make that choice to change. And then there are plenty who don't. And you mentioned um, this a little bit, but different cultures mm -hmm. um, where women are treated differently. Now, how, how is that approached where, where the, it's a cultural thing, which, again, you know, you, you mentioned a couple different things like the one factor uh, holding the uh, citizenship and, you know, this this piece. But uh, I'm curious how, how you deal with different cultures and, and that part. I mean, I think that we as an agency, we're not the ones putting that label of abuse on people or on relationships. It really depends on how the person feels inside their own relationship. So if someone is coming from a cultural background where certain aspects of a relationship are different than say my relationship with my partner, that's okay. As long as you feel healthy in that relationship, as long as you feel like your partner values you, that you feel like you have a right to say, I'm happy to do this. This is not something that I feel comfortable with. I don't like to be treated this way. You know, as long as that relationship, as long as it is negotiated within the relationship. And so if one person in the relationship is in charge of paying the bills and filing the taxes, and, you know, that is something that is mutually agreed upon, then that's not financial abuse. You know, even if the primary responsibility for financial matters day to day is rest with one partner. But if you have a situation where one partner 
is making all the financial decisions without ever consulting the other partner. The other partner has no idea what, you know, if you have insurance, if you have a 401k, if you have any money in the bank at all, you know, they don't know the balance of the checking account. They don't know where their money is going. If at the end of their workday, they just have to turn over their paycheck to another partner and they have no control over where that money goes, then maybe that is financially abusive. So really it depends on what is negotiated within that own relationship because every relationship looks different and feels different. And so the crux of the relationship is, does each person in that relationship feel respected, feel valued, feel feel heard, like their opinions matter, their experiences matter, their feelings matter, and, you know, and they feel comfortable living that life. Because if you, you know, if, if what feels good in your relationship doesn't feel good to me, that's okay. And that doesn't mean your relationship is abusive. But if it's, if you start to get questions where you feel like your partner's not hearing you, not caring about your opinions, not sharing information with you, trying to keep you from being able to make your own decisions about who you spend time with, where you go, how you spend your money, then you might start asking some questions about whether that relationship feels healthy to you. And to me, it sounds like you have the 800 number. And it sounds like it's got to be really scary for someone to pick up the phone and actually call because, you know, because like, you know, if they have a child, you know, do, you, do who gets involved at this point? If there's no fine, if the, if they don't have control of their finances, you know, the uncertainty of like, well, what am I going to do? Um, and so even to un, uncoil that part, uh, how do you get that number in front of the right people so that they know that the number exists? Well, folks, like you were helping us, you know, the more people who talk about our agency and the work that we do, the more people find out about the programs that we have. Um, and so we do have a 24 hour number that folks can call anytime, day or night. That's how I got my start in this work is answering that 24 hour number. Um, mm. And, you know, that first phone call, you don't have to have an agenda. It doesn't have to be I'm calling because I want to leave my partner or I'm calling because I know I need a restraining order. It can be. I'm calling because I have some questions. You don't even have to tell us your name. You don't have to give us any information that you don't want to give us. You can, it will be completely confidential and you can remain 100% anonymous. Uh, but the most important thing is to know who's going to answer the phone on the other line. And what I can promise you is if you call our hotline, you're going to be greeted with kindness. You're going to be greeted with respect. And you're going to be greeted with people who believe strongly that you deserve to be safe in your relationship, outside of your relationship, in your home, in your community, wherever you go, you deserve to be safe and to feel healthy and okay. And so that's what we're trying to support. We're not going to pressure you to make any decisions. We're not going to ask you to do anything you're not ready to do. If on your first hotline call with us, you just want to talk or ask some questions, or just spend a minute and a half seeing if the person on the other line really is okay and somebody that you want to talk to, then that's great. Give us a call. Uh, call us as many times as you need to. Call us every day for a month if that's what you need. Call us only sometimes if you need to vent or you need to ask some questions or figure out what you might do next. Um, we do safety planning. 
We do, uh, we can talk to you about the resources that are available in the community from our agency and others. We can talk to you about what kind of financial assistance might be available if you need to hurry up and try to get into a new place, if you need emergency shelter, if you want to say go to another city where you have family support. We can talk you through all of those options, but you don't have to be ready to do any of that on the first phone call. All you have to do on the first phone call is say hi. And what's that number? It's 404-688-9436. And you can find that anywhere you can find us. So on our website, on our socials, anywhere you can find us, you'll find that number 404-688-9436. And kind of going back to the beginning where we talked about defining an abusive relationship, um, how are you educating younger women that you know teenagers etc so that they can they can recognize an unhealthy relationship before actually moving that further well the first thing is we don't start with teenagers we start Ah. with (laughs) five-year-olds and so our programming for children starts uh, at age five and this is really where our prevention programming lies we're putting all of our eggs in the children basket Uh Um, because as i mentioned you know it takes for people who have already learned to use abusive behaviors, it really takes them personally committing to change for that change to occur. But what we want to do, because we work with women and they desperately want programming for their children, um, is that we start with the kids to try to teach them how to have healthy relationships, how to set healthy boundaries, how to communicate and how to recognize their emotions now before they're even getting into romantic relationships. So we're talking to kindergartners about, this is what it feels like in your body when you're angry. Does your heart, does it feel like your heart's beating faster? Sometimes does it feel like you can feel your cheeks heating up? Maybe you see your cheeks getting red. Do you feel like your palms are getting a little sweaty? Well, that might be what your body feels like when it's angry. And when you start feeling these emotions, when you start feeling these signals in your body, here are some things that you can do to help yourself feel more grounded. And so that's what we do a lot with the kids. We work on recognizing the emotions that you feel and then getting yourself to a place where the emotion is not going to carry you away. You know, we don't want that spark to take you into a wildfire. We want you to be able to say, okay, I'm feeling ashamed. I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling sad. All those emotions are normal and okay to feel. It's okay to be mad. Everybody gets mad. You get to choose what you do with that anger. You get to choose what you do with that embarrassment. And so really helping kids learn their own skills because the same skills don't work for everyone. So really helping kids learn their own personal skills to get back into what we call their resilient zone. Um, so they can make decisions of what am I going to do with this emotion based on my own personal value system, you know, based on who I want to be as a person. So when we're talking about five-year-olds, we're talking about, okay, your brother cut your Barbie's hair. Are you going to scream at your brother? Are you going to hit him with your Barbie? Or, you know, how are you going to be able to, to deal with that anger and make a decision about it that's not going to get you in trouble. It's not going to hurt your relationship with your brother, but you're allowed to stand up for yourself and say, I don't like that you did that. That doesn't feel good to me. I feel very mad at you right now. You're not allowed to come in my room anymore. You know, you're allowed to set boundaries, but 
you aren't as likely to be able to do those things if you're in the moment feeling that mm -hmm. intense emotion. So we're working with, again, five-year-olds all the way up to teenagers. So of course, when we get to that middle school age, that's where we get a little deeper into talking about romantic relationships. But by that point, you know, we're already working with kids for years on this is how you peacefully problem solve. This is what a healthy relationship looks like with your mom, with your teacher, with your siblings, with your friends, so that by the time they're in a romantic relationship, it's just an extension of the healthy relationships that they've already been building for their whole lives with family members and friends and other people who are important to them. So we talk a lot about, again, with the teenagers, with boundaries, with um you know, how to recognize other people's emotions, how to uh, recognize issues of consent, how to peacefully problem solve, how to recognize that it is not only okay, but healthy for two people to have separate lives and then also a life together. So if you're in a, you know, if you're boyfriend has his own friends, if your girlfriend has their own friends and wants to spend time with them away from you, that's totally okay because you can have your own friends. You can spend time with your family and it doesn't take anything away from that romantic relationship. But again, all that stuff starts, yeah. you know, when they're itty bitty, because a lot of times if you're waiting until high school to talk about that, it's too late. <laughs> No, I mean, a lot of what you just talked about uh, with the five-year-olds, I have a nine-year-old, but that's what we talk about when he gets angry. I'm like, listen, man, you got a, you got a keyboard, a guitar, you can put your anger out into that, but you don't like unleash it on mom and tell her you hate her or whatever, you know, because you regret it later. How do you feel? Like, you know, we talk about all those things, but that's, uh, that's important stuff to be able to address with a kid to be able to get them to a better place, especially as they're older. So all this, though, this is a lot of Well, unfortunately, my volume cut out just then, and I'm not exactly sure what you asked me. Um, I'm hoping that you can hear me and that it was just on my end. Um, and so not hearing you, but I can definitely talk about our work while we're figuring this out. Um, we can just roll with it. Um, so I'm hoping you ask a question about how we fund all this work that we do, because that is my job at Women's Resource Center. And I can certainly talk about our programming all day long, um, but I would be remiss if I came on a show like this and didn't talk no, about right. funding. Yeah, yeah. And, um, funding is oh, I got you now. I can there hear you go. again. All right, Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, um, that's where funding Yes. Okay, great. So, um, you know, we have... Uh, pretty diverse source of funding. We do get a great amount of funding from government sources, um, which is kind of what I'm doing now. It's federal grant writing season. Uh, I have three federal grants that I'm turning in before the end of the month. So everyone um, cross your fingers. If you're, if you're the praying sort, pray for me. Um, but so that's, that's a big chunk of what we do is we do get governmental funding. Um, but the other thing that we have coming up is our big fundraising event, like I mentioned, where we're going to be uh, honoring Natasha Trethaway. Um, so she's going to be coming and talking about her work and her book, Memorial Drive. Uh, we're going to have this on Thursday, May the 5th, and it is a hybrid event. This is going to be our first shot at a hybrid event. 
Um, for the past two years, we've gone strictly virtual. And then before that, of course, when coronavirus wasn't a thing anyone knew about, we were having our in-person events. Um, so we're going to kind of change it up. We're going to try both this year. So we're going to have tickets for um, guests to be in person. We're being very COVID conscious. We're not filling the space as much as we could. We chose a space with lots of mm -hmm. airflow, brand new heating and air, nice um, high ceilings. So we're being very COVID conscious. Um, and then we're going to also have some options for folks who want to join us from home. So we have in-person tickets tickets available. We have VIP at home tickets available where you'll get a really great VIP box of goodies that you can um, enjoy while you're watching the event to feel like you're part of the event. Uh, and then live streaming the event is absolutely free. So if you're not able to come in person or not comfortable coming in person and you want to join us, you want to learn more about our work, then those live stream tickets are absolutely free. Um, but we're really looking forward mm -hmm. to hearing more from Natasha, you know, about her memoir, about her memories of her mom and um, really talking about her mother's legacy in our work and how we're trying to remember Gwendolyn Ann Turnbow every day and honor her memory in the work that we do. That's wonderful. And uh, folks, you can always get more information at wrcdv.org. I'm going to pop it up here again, wrcdv.org. You can make a donation there. Uh, you can find out more information about the Champions for Change. Um, and, uh, yeah, the wonderful stuff you got going on. And um, uh, before I let you go, I always I want to make sure that we didn't forget anything. Is there anything we, we you wanted to talk about that we maybe didn't talk about? Um, we did mention that uh, you can call our hotline anytime, but I always want to reiterate that, Absolutely. that we are available anytime, day or night, whether you're willing, whether you're ready to make a decision or not, even if you just want to, you know, kind of test the waters and say, is this something that's normal in relationships? Also, you don't have to be the one potentially experiencing abuse to call our hotline. So if you think a family member or a friend, someone at your church or synagogue, someone at your job may be experiencing abuse, if you're seeing some signs, you can call us and say, you know, is this maybe a sign of something going on? Is this, you know, how can I talk to my friends? What can I tell them? You know, and we'll role play some conversations with you. Uh, because again, we just want anyone who could ever possibly need us to know that we are we exist so if you want to make the first step in helping us create a society in which domestic violence no longer exists then make sure you know what we do and you know share that information with others so that we can reach as many people as possible so that we never miss out in providing services to someone who needs us absolutely and i, I thank you for all that you do and i'm sure you work with like folks like the uh, georgia center for child advocacy and the uh mm -hmm. Um, uh, we had, uh, I've worked with safe shelter out of Savannah and it's just every, every group's got something different and unique, but, um, but, uh, it's, I love that it's not, I love the preventative elements mm -hmm. and, and helping to evolve the culture as opposed to just handling the problem, but to fix it. So I commend you for all your efforts and all your work. Uh, and I recommend everyone please go to wrcdv.org. Uh, before I let you go, I got to ask you what I ask all my guests. Do you have a recommendation for a guest to be on Coffee Connections, an innovator in the nonprofit Atlanta world? I absolutely do. So I, we talked a lot about our work with children. Um, and so what are the organizations that we partner with in our violence prevention summer camp? 
for children, in our after-school programming for children, and then also in our programming for families, because moms, you know, really enjoy expressing themselves through art too, uh, is an organization called Paint Love. They're also right here in DeKalb County. They're a fantastic organization, and they do a lot of trauma-informed art projects led by professional artists. Um, to really help kids use their artistic senses, use, you know, their tactile senses and really use art to help them process some of the trauma that they've experienced. So Paint Love is a great organization. And my counterpoint there, um, their director uh, or their coordinator of community engagement and development is Chloe Young. And so I'm going to recommend that you reach out to Chloe at Paint Love because she's they're one of our favorite um, partners. I'm sending my son to their summer camp this summer because um, they have a summer camp that is open to you know just the broader community. And our summer camp dollars help support the programming that they have for um, you know reaching underserved kids in other arenas. So I think Paint Love would be a great organization for you to talk about. Well, excellent. Thank you so much. And hey, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again at Coffee Connections. Amber, have a great day. And uh, you too. Cheers, everyone. Enjoy uh, sipping your coffee the rest of the day. <laughs>